Hello and welcome to the Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on the Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact not only over time, but also over space. And we have these conversations with in an environment of genuine um, authenticity, curiosity, and vulnerability. And this week, I was joined by just a phenomenal human being, Kokuro Archibong, who's a private wealth advisor at Capital Group Private Client Services. And he works with his client as a loyal and thoughtful financial partner who brings confidence about their family's future. He joined Capital Group in 2015 after a decade playing professional basketball in the NBA and overseas, and he was on the 2012 Nigerian Olympic team. So he was a former athlete and from his days of um, sports, learned the value of discipline, excellence and commitment to mastery. And he brings all that to the fore in his work as a private wealth advisor. As many of you know, I have this recent obsession with um, professional athletes. So I loved this conversation. I loved talking about Coco's journey and evolution. Um, we spoke about how do you know when to quit? How do you quit well? How do you quit when you don't know what's next? We spoke about the values that were instilled in him as um, a Nigerian growing up in the U.S., We spoke also about the value that sports brought to him as an individual and how he uses that today in the work that he does. We spoke about the importance of adversity in one's journey. It was just a really rich, really uplifting conversation that I would thoroughly recommend that you listen to. Please share this with a friend or five or 10 or 15 um, that that you know is navigating building generational businesses and generational wealth. Take care and enjoy. Hi, Coco. Welcome to the Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you today. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really intrigued. You work in private wealth for Capital Group Private Client Services, but you've had a journey in yourself. You were a professional basketball player in the NBA. How did you tell me just that trajectory of life? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, my non-traditional path story. I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot about it. I, I find myself talking a lot about it. I think because people are uh, a probably confused how I ended up <laughs> where I am, but also b I think my hope is that it's a story that uh, a path that God had me walk, so that I can share that journey with others that might not feel uh, they have the strength to kind of shift or pivot or you know, mm. use what they might be passionate about to leverage into a new passion uh, down mm. the road. And so for me, my, you know, my story was one of, I kind of, I think kind of more traditional in the sense of um, growing up in a Nigerian home, mm. very education oriented sports were always secondary in our, in our house, but it was just a thing that I loved. I loved to compete. Um, I grew up playing soccer um, mm. ran track and field and basketball is kind of like a late, a late addition to the sports that I actually, um, played, but it was, it was one that I took to and I loved. And, it, and like I said, um, by God's grace, I ended up being very, very tall as well. So that, that helped <laughs> tremendously in that path. And so it wasn't something that I, from a young age kind of was targeting. Like, I think a lot of 
especially African-American, but I think now our, more of our kids too, um, mm. kids from, from the continent are looking at basketball as a, as a path or a way. So what um, were you? So what were you targeting as a kid? I was pre-med. So mm. it was very clear for me what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, I always wanted to become a doctor since probably sixth, seventh grade. I really honed in on cardiology. I did a report on the heart and I was just fascinated at just the intricacies, everything that goes into it. I remember just wanting to learn more. And back then, I don't know, for the young people on the call, they had encyclopedias. So I was all up in the encyclopedia, like just mm. researching stuff up, doing diagrams, all kinds of stuff. And so that was always my my goal, my focus. Um, and even when I was in university, so even while I was playing Division One basketball, I was doing my pre-med uh, requirements to get ready. It just so happened that basketball kind of took me in another path, um, mm. a path that ended up being ten years of my life, which wow. again, huge blessing. Didn't know, didn't had no idea it would happen that way. Um, but as it turns out, that kind of uh, detour. Mm. Uh, gave me different perspectives on what I might want to do when I when I was done. And so I felt like when I was done, I was different. I felt like I wanted to do something where I knew why I wanted to become a doctor was impact. But I felt like I had learned that business kind of impacts so much more of our world than just being the individual operator that is hands on mm. uh, making the change for folks. And so I was like, what could I be doing that's maybe at a higher level, maybe a little bit more strategic. Um, mm. And so I started looking at um, things in the business world on the sports side, but then also my, my original passion of healthcare. So I looked at healthcare management as well. Um, you know, just was having a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Again, nothing about finance necessarily directly, but it was moving in that direction. I, I, was, I was concerned about my own money, how to take care of it, my family, but I didn't really even know how to move into this industry or that it existed, to be honest. And it was mm. really a friend and mentor of mine that pointed me in this direction after hearing my story. And it was it was an amazing conversation. I Again, a, a godsend, you know, because this guy didn't know me from anybody. We mm. had a 15 minute coffee and he was kind of like, have you ever considered financial services? And he was like, if you research it up and you think that it's interesting, I have some. And he was willing to open his network to me introduced me to some folks out here. One conversation turned into three, turned into five, turned into me kind of exploring going into a training program, a financial advisor and training program at Wells Fargo. Mm. Uh, but before I took that leap, I had a, just happened to have a dinner with one of my best friends from high school who was at this firm that I'm at now. And I didn't know what he did. I didn't know where he was, like what his focus was, but he, and he was in private client. And so wow. I was just like, look, you've known me my whole life. Like, am I crazy? Like, I'm thinking about making this move. I think it would be, a, I'm very interested in it. I think it would be good for my family long-term. And I'm trying to shift and figure out what my next steps could be. And he was mm. like, oh, you'd be great. You'd be great. But you, it's going to be very different. At that time, I was teaching. I was working in education. I was a assistant athletic director. I was teaching physics for the ninth grade. And I was doing community wow. outreach for my high school. And I loved it, but I was like, it felt very, uh, it felt like a glide path. Like I could see my whole life for the next 30 years very easily, like as an educator growing and doing things and my kids would get a great education and I'd be around. But I was like, I think I have, I think I have more to do potentially, mm -hmm. more to give. Um, so I said, if I'm going to explore something, it's now. Um, 
And my friend's advice was spot on. You know, he said, look at our company, be a great place to work, great place to grow organically, learn the business the right way, take care of people the right way. And he was right. Mm. And I've been here for seven years now. And so it really tracks my son's life. You know, I was just telling a friend, like, these kids, (laughs) they're big blessings. They bring a lot of energy, too, right? Like, I Mm. feel like all all of our biggest moves are around our kids' birth. It's like... 100. Yeah. I learned my son. You know, we learned we were having our son. I was like, okay, what are we doing? (laughs) What what are we doing here? And I feel like I I got extra, extra motivated. We learned our daughter was being born. And we moved in the pandemic, you know, like I'm doing when I look back at the steps, I'm like, what? Yeah, oh, they, it was them. It was mm. clearly them. That so resonates. There's so much, so much I want to dive into. Firstly, I want to go back a little bit. I want to understand growing up in a Nigerian household um, sure. and um, how did that color the way you saw profession, the way you saw your career, the yeah. values you, you took from that? Yeah. Oof. I think, and now as a parent, I, I know for a fact it's formative. I know for a fact that it is it is the uh, cornerstone of me, of the mm. of the persona that I am in the world, of how I approach um, my craft, my drive, my ambitions, um, my pursuit for excellence. It's it's it started back then. It started before I even know knew what was being put poured into me Mm. you know um and so for me as a parent now and my wife it's it's trying to find a a variation of that that makes sense for this time that we sit in now um because while i i fully appreciate and um recognize the things that my parents did the sacrifices they made for us the things that they did to put us in a position to have a chance to even be successful in this world especially here in us um, outside of their context it was like and, and now it's kind of it's it's strange to raise a child now in, in the these this time frame and try to find this like balance between what I've learned what's infused in me and what I'm seeing and the kind of new challenges that I think our kids are gonna have to face um, mm. it's a, it's a lot it's a lot I think about it a lot yeah, no, literally, you gave language to everything that I'm navigating right now in this season. A number of folks within my community are also navigating. It's like looking back at the values that were instilled in us as Nigerians with this like dogged pursuit of excellence, like go-getting ambition, but right-sizing it to today and in our climb and in our culture. I'm intrigued. Have you read um, Zane Asher's book, Where the Children Take Us? No, but I just got we, chills when you said it because I feel like you I, need so to read I, it. Were, yeah, I have to. We were just in Europe uh, for most of the summer visiting the family. My wife is German. She's born mm-hmm. and raised in Germany. She's a, a African-American in Germany. And um, I, I love being out of context, this U.S. context, so you can see the world more clearly. And I remember Zane being somebody that at CNN, I was watching a lot of CNN. She was huge. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I got to check out what's going on with her with the one one world, like having her mm. own her own stuff. I was like, but I love the way what really caught me was the way that she described herself, which was amazing. Right. Like, I, I'm going to get it wrong. It was like, you know, African by descent, you you know, 
uh, London by birth or, you know, mm. European by birth, but then like U.S. based or something like she had all the worlds. And I was like, this is it. This is me. This mm-hmm. is the diaspora in the flesh. Right. It's it's a powerful read. She shares how her mom was widowed when God Zane was five. Um, and how her mom raised four kids as a single mom in inner city London. Mm. And her brother is, you know, an award-winning actor, um, herself. She's an international anchor. Um, her sister's a medical doctor and her other brother is a successful entrepreneur against all odds. And she really attributes their success, so to speak, to the values of Nigerian culture and how Nigeria has given her so much. It's a country that's spoken about so negatively in the international press, but the values that her mom instilled in her. So I'd love for you to read it and would love to reconnect another time and hear your, your thoughts on that. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. It sounds very aligned to me. Yeah. I feel very grateful <laughs> to be from where I'm from, for sure. In, same here. Same here. Love to dig deep a little bit into your world as an athlete. And I mean, I see so many parallels between sports and entrepreneurship. And I always say, um, when I'm coaching my clients, like we as entrepreneurs have so much to learn from athletes. Um, the mental fitness, the mental fortitude, keep Mm. going against all odds, dreaming big, um, not, not, um, being scared to fail where there's an audience. Yeah. being kept accountable, like with a coach, with a team, just wanted to hear from you, what you drew from your times as an athlete and how that serves you today in your work. Uh, I think again, it's intrinsic. Mm. And the beautiful thing about sports, no matter, and, and, you know, and I would say it could be sport, but it could be any, any discipline that requires focused attention over a long period of time to mm. achieve a high level of mastery, excellence, whatever it is. I think it could be, you know, it could be your instrument. It could be chess. It could be debate. It could, whatever the thing is, for me, it ended up being physical and sport. Um, mm. It's that I feel like it's the practice of like, you know, chopping wood, carrying water. And just like daily, this daily approaching your craft and saying, what do I need to do? What can I do to win today and mm. be a little bit better? And this for me is again, foundational in terms of whatever the challenge I feel like I face, I find my mind starts doing this thing where it breaks it into its component parts. It says, mm. what's, the, what's the first, what's the first thing I need to do to win? What's the first skill I need to have? What's the first um, block that I need to knock over to actually start the, the chain reaction to getting to be great. So like, for instance, I started into this industry, I had no background in it. I had a small, maybe small investment account that I had tried to start myself. I was trying to teach myself, reading everything under the sun that I could about investments, but I'm coming in completely green. And mm. I just started by what I, what the only way I knew to kind of attack a, a thing like that is as a rookie. And so I took myself back into that mode and I said, I have to eyes open, ears open, listening. Mm. I sat on every call, didn't really understand what, what the investing investment team was talking about, all these different things. But over time, it started to make sense. Reading the Wall Street Journal every day, you know, just building practices that I felt over time would make me successful. And it ended up um, working in that way because I'd seen it mm. a million times on the basketball court, on the pitch for soccer, 
preparing for a track and field match, right? Or, or, you know, race, it was always the same thing where it's like hours and hours of work put in without seeing a result, but having the faith that like this leads to ultimately this leads to success. And so then, you know, for me, I always, it's like, always had this mindset of like working back from your championship, right? Like, mm. you know, what's the success looking like? Okay. What are the things that bring that success? You know, for us to be there on championship day, we need to every single day in this practice, we got to work like we're champions. We got to play like, you know, we have to outwork the competition, mm -hmm. um, you know, push each other, get better in all the different ways that, you know, our coaches are telling, but also outside. Right. So it's like not just, I, I, yeah, I've never been one to just do the job. So like, you know, I'm, like, I'm here early, leave late. That's just part of the makeup just because, again, that's built into you from the time in sport. If you wanted to get better, you needed to do a little bit more than mm. the person next to you or the person that's going to be across from you when you compete. I absolutely love that work, working back from your championship, taking each day as though you're a champion. What about those days where you've been putting in the work and you're not necessarily seeing the returns, the rewards, the marginal gains, so to speak, and you're just like, yep. is this worth it? As an athlete, <laughs> did you have those days? Many, of course. How of did course. you, so I really, I really look up to athletes. Like I just find like mental fitness is something I'm really working on. Mm. So on those days where you're like, bloody hell, this is just not the one. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, what were the stories you told yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key. You know, mm -hmm. what are the stories you're telling yourself? I have a, you know, like we've spoken about, I have a seven year old son. And so we're getting into this phase and he's, he loves basketball too. Mm. for better or for worse we'll see how this plays out but i'm just watching him and my big thing for him is that he just has fun enjoys mm. i tell him all the time whether you bounce the ball or not we're very proud of you your mm. main job is this schoolwork do that well the rest of it will take care of itself but he's he is i would say he's very talented i have a biased opinion of course <laughs> but you know he's doing his thing but like what i love about that he's in this world and he's moving in a place that i kind of i very much recognize is that I can speak to him about the mental piece. What stories are you telling yourself? You know, are you affirming? So one of the things we've been um, talking about a lot is affirmation. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see it in children, how easily they move to the negative. And I was like, be careful with those words. You know, they're very powerful. Let's start talking. Let's try to talk about the things you want to happen, not necessarily what you don't want to happen. And it seems so subtle, but it's like, I found that like, that's been one of the most powerful lessons that I learned. And I had the chance to extend my career long enough to actually see it in motion mm. to where I am manifesting the things that I am saying, believing the story that I am creating for myself. And that's something mm -hmm. that's a big thing that I I've taken into this phase of my life where it's like um, I always just, I have to see it first. If I see it, if I visualize it, I know I can do it, you know, but I have to see it and then I have to affirm it on a regular basis. And it, it, I particularly in those days where the in your face thing is, is like, hmm. ah, I'm, tired. I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this doesn't make sense. Like, and it, it's, it's always interesting how, like when it rains, it pours right from that perspective, oh, yeah. oh. you know, um, you know, you're, you're studying for a test. It's not going well. Uh, your child is sick. Your, your spouse is, you know, getting, get, you know, having a difficult day at work. So they're coming back in a bad mood. It's like, what's happening right now? Like, why is, 
And then you, it, it's just compounding on top of itself on why you should probably stop doing the thing you're doing. Mm. Um, but I just find that like one of the, one of the explicit or I would say more implicit lessons I've learned over time is that like when first, when I face adversity, that's actually where the growth is. So like mm -hmm. I had a trainer, I had a trainer that was always like, you're not really getting better until you're, you're, you're at the wall. That's where the work really starts. So I always stuck with me and I was, that's when I was going, growing up as a kid. So it was like, oh man. So his whole thing was like, kill yourself in this workout. So you can actually get to the point where you're getting better. Cause everybody can dribble and look, make everything look nice and make your shots when you're, when you're fresh, when you're, you know, when you have all your wind, mm. the people that are the best are those that are, that are able to push past that point when they're tired. Cause everybody on the court is tired, but they're still working. They're still working at a high level because they've trained themselves to push through those times. So again, it's like that training, man, you know, manifests itself in our real world training of like just regular life is hard. I mean, let's, let's oh, yeah. you know, have a real conversation about that where it's like, you know, turn on NPR and like there's 50 things to be worried about all the time. Yeah. And we're built to, we're built for hard things and we can make it through. Right. And so this is the story that I'm always telling myself is like, you know, the adversity piece is just getting me ready and preparing me for whatever's on the other side of it that I'm meant to step into. So powerful adversity is where the growth is. I, I'm, I'm writing that. Um, so powerful. I'm intrigued. You played pro for 10 years. Yeah. Um, why, why did you stop? What was, what happened? I don't, I don't think there was a real precipitating event for me. I think it just felt like time. Mm. You know, when I when I started, I was always very keen on not being defined as just a basketball player, not being not defined as just an athlete. This was mm. my part. This is my hobby. This is just something I do. Um, whether that was right or wrong, I have a lot of internal dialogue about around that, and that actually ties back to our Nigerian heritage, right? Where I, mm. where I was meant to feel like it's secondary when actually, you know it can and it should probably be primary for some people at some stage right um but yeah another conversation mm -hmm. i think you know i don't know it was just i felt like i always wanted to walk away on my own accord and not be wheeled out of the game mm. uh, i always wanted to start my family it was an important piece for me my wife and i had been married at that point to five years which was great. We had our own time to ourselves. We could travel. We were young adults. We could do all this stuff and enjoy. But it was like I was it was always this thing where I'm playing in another city. She's coming to visit. We're staying for a period. But we're doing this weird quasi long distance um, living in Europe situation. I was like, you know, mm -hmm. this isn't it. I think there's more to this part um, than just chasing the ball wherever it goes. Mm -hmm. And I got the amazing blessing of getting to play in the 2012 London Olympics for Team Nigeria, which for me was, wow. it was the pinnacle. So I was like, I can't write this story better. Like I can't write an ending better than this unless I go to another winning situation. So that was the like parameter I gave my agent. It was like, look, I'm done. Hmm. If you can find me another situation that's a winning situation, I don't, it, for me, it's not about playing all the, the minutes of the game. I just want to be a part of winning. If I'm not a part of winning, please don't call me about it. Um, you know, because like my body is starting to break down. 
you know, I was having, I was having, I have degenerative uh, cartilage in both my knees. So mm. luckily I didn't really get injured, but it was just like overuse. So, you know, this was this, the trajectory of where it was going was very clear. Like I can't walk for two days in the week after I play. So then it's like, if I'm doing this continually, there's a chance I'm not walking well or running around with my son or and now daughter, right? Like now. So mm. I was like conscious. I was trying to be conscious of that. Um, as well. And so I'd say, you know, the, the Olympics really acted as an anchoring kind of experience for me. And I really, I'm grateful that I saw it mm. for what it was. And I was able to be really present because I was like, I think this is the last time I'm touching this court. So I really, I loved every minute of it. And I was able to walk away and say, you know, I did it. I did what I came to try to do. Um, I finished that. I went back, I finished my master's thesis that I was writing turn that in, took some time, and then it just started hustling, <laughs> figure out what's next and try to, and we ended up back here in California because of that. Power, I'm, I have this fascination with transition and transformation. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you were telling your story and you're like, I play pro and then you then went into this world of discovery as I would discover it, like trying to find your best fit in business, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and what just popped in my mind was how do you know when a lot of people don't know how to quit, mm. how to quit well yeah. and when to quit, but you identified that, you know, that, you know, you wanted to do other things. It was, you were multi-passionate. You weren't, you didn't want to be boxed into this identity as an athlete. You knew that you wanted to delve into the business world. And what I find fascinating is that you made that decision to quit before you got clarity on what's next. Yeah. And that's that in between is a very uncomfortable. <laughs> You're shaking your head. <laughs> it's Man. very uncomfortable. Oh. It's one thing to know what's next. And then be like, yeah, I got it. I'm holding on to it and I can let the other one go. But when you drop that ball and then you're like. Floating. <laughs> First time in my life floating. Yeah. No direction. No clear path. Uh, it was, I would say, you know, I don't know that I, I, you know, I don't like to, again, I'm always careful with words. I'm mm. pretty sure there were multiple times in my basketball playing career where I was suffering from depression. Mm. Um but not knowing what that, what, what it was and, and self-managing it, let's call, um, which we all know is a false narrative. Um, but yeah, this, that period that you're describing, I was very clearly depressed and down and mm. lost and struggling mightily with who I am. My identity was, I mean, shaken. It's a death. You know, I, I when I talk to other athletes, I'm like, prepare yourself. It doesn't, and it, the, the funny thing is like, and I don't know any of your, your experience if you played sport growing up, mm. it is universal. It doesn't matter when you stop it. We all have to stop at some point in time, whether it's a grade school, high school, college, pro, no matter how long, no matter how the longest career there is, you're going to stop. You have to stop. Your body will tell you stop. Mm. Um, and at this time, it is, I think, akin to a part of you dying. 100 which is difficult grief grief you've got to go through the stages and figure out what your rebirth can and should look like and i think i <clears throat> yeah i just feel super blessed 
to have the, the, the support system that I do have and have had through that process. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my younger brother, my baby brother, and again, Nigerian culture, I'm the oldest, so I carry a lot, mm -hmm. tend to carry a lot, whether it's my, my place or not, um, of just like knowing what to do and knowing, right? The, the, the old messaging that I got growing up was like, hey, be careful, your, your brothers are following you. Mm -hmm. Please do the right thing. Okay. So, so it's like, that's what's always ringing in my head. And here I am doing something that's completely, for lack of a better term, reckless, just jumping and trying to build my wings as I fall off this cliff, fly off this cliff, and not knowing what that looks like. But luckily, my younger, my younger brother under me, two years younger under me, said, come over, come, come stay with me, you know, hmm. come figure it out out here. He was living in Singapore. He was working out there. And I'm forever grateful for that time that we had together, but that I had to myself to just yeah, be, yeah. you know, lost a little bit and not because, the, you know, I think part of the issue that faces a lot of people is the questions. I hate not having an yes. answer. Okay. You get, I can't get on a plane without people asking me if I play. So then, you know, there, mm. I didn't realize how that worked on you both ways. So all the years I played, being able to say, yeah, I play pro, you know, and like, let that be what it is. I wasn't trying to boast about it, but I could just, I could say it and move. Now it's like, what's the right answer? Yeah, I used to, oh, where? Oh, and then it moves into this whole long winded conversation and I hadn't built that muscle yet or that mm. comfort yet. And so it was frustrating actually and it happened pretty much constantly anywhere I go because I can't, I'm always going to stand out at six foot nine. It's not, I'm not blending in most places unless I'm in a basketball context. Um, and so a lot of that, you know, being able to just be, be away for a time, have some fun, relax, chill, see something new, experience something new. Um, and that my brother created that space for me was huge. You know, and then obviously being able to come home to my parents and have, you know, and them receive me and my wife while I still floated and did entrepreneurial things, started my own training business. I mean, just just all the ideas that I had had in Singapore, I tried to like test them out. Let's mm. test every single thing. So I just ran down every, you know, path, talking to as many people as possible, you know, to turn it over. But it's a big part of this story why I'm here, too, because. I saw in that time how powerful a tool money actually is, what it really mm. represents, the stewardship of it, how it represents time. It's, mm. It buys you time in, in situations where you might want to, need to, have to transition in a way that nothing else can. And I saw when no money was coming in, but I was, money was going out, how that can start to influence your decision making in a way that if I can help anyone, even just one person, um, not feel that way, not feel like I need a job yesterday. I need to, you know, or just get caught in that, uh, you know, for athletes in particular, right? Like you've gotten a big contract, you spend it all up. Now you're beholden to the team. You're now you're, you're basically mm. coming, begging them to just resign you up so mm. you can keep living. But what about the situation? What about the power position you could be in if you've taken care of your money and they're not placing the same value on you as you put on yourself? Now, all of a sudden, you can sit and wait in your own strength and know that I'm good. I'll wait till the value's right. I'll wait till the market understands what I'm worth hmm. or not because I, my money's good. I have a plan. And, you hmm. know, I, I, that's my, my vision and dream of the, of the uh, practice that I'm building, but also being able to, like, especially when it comes to, I think 
it's easy to think, oh, because I played, that's my mm -hmm. focus. But really, it's a euphemism for us. I really want this to be our power position as, uh, you know, people of color, particularly yeah. African, African American, the other whole diaspora, but like, you know, black and brown in general, just to be in better control of our resources. Yeah. Um, I believe very um, sincerely that it's important leveling up that we would need to do to be able to advocate for ourselves when situations like 2020 and the social justice um, movements and, 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 you know, injustices that we've seen over and over again, but that get kind of brought to the surface by big, huge events like George Floyd. Yeah. Um, how do we, how do we push back in a way that our, um, some of our white counterparts can hear more clearly. And a lot of times mm -hmm. I think it has to do with, uh, it, it, you know, if you start messing with people pocket, people's pockets, I think they start to pay more attention to what your message is, what you, what you are asking for and what you are demanding to be quite frank. Cool, cool. Powerful. I, there were so many times you spoke and like, I was, I didn't hear what came next. Cause I was just trying to like, it just moved. It hit me. Like when you said, um, money is a really powerful tool. It buys you time. One, two, you hit me again. You said, so people can take the focus off living and I'll paraphrase so we can be advocate for ourselves so we can level up. This is powerful, powerful work. So tell me more about the work that you do, um, how you help your clients, who your clients are. Just tell me more. Yeah, it's, it's really been interesting to see who I resonate, who my, re my message resonates with, who is joining the tribe that I've been mm. building for the last several years. And it looks different than I thought in my mind. You know, at first I was very focused on, I, I know this athletics story. I know the problem set. You make mm. money too young. You need it to last for a very long time. Your mind is not even, I mean, not even fathoming the time where you're not earning like that. You're not playing. You're not, you're retired. Like, what, do, what are we talking about? I'm 19. I'm mm. 19, right? Very, very young that you're starting to really earn and grow and so it's like this mismatch it's like everything's reversed from traditional finance yeah. most people work their whole life build a mountain of money and then need help managing it but by doing that by default you've learned budgeting and things that you know come with adulthood you've mm -hmm. created the, the opposite problem the mm -hmm. but i quickly saw that like oh this problem set applies a lot of other places i mean the way the creativity that's um in this world right now and the ways that people are making money, astronomical. I mean, it's it's off the chart, and it's 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 growing exponentially every day. Whether that's YouTube, whether that's playing video games and, and streaming it, whether that is being an e sports person, whether that is right. So def the definition of athlete is changing. Whether mm -hmm. that's a startup that's building a solution that can help you know save time, you know build efficiencies, create innovation for millions of people billions of people across the globe. These are young people that are innovating and are earning at a really, really high clip and um, thinking about the world in a different way. So same problem set, same need. Um, and I felt like, I, so that was the first place that I knew I could speak to direct. Um, the other pieces that kind of built out of that were like, how do I, with whatever I do, 
how am I being impactful in the communities that I call home, that I come from, that, you know, whether it's here locally in California, but then also thinking about globally, um, you know, um, especially communities of color. And I thought about it from the perspective of, look where I am, you know, I am one of the only black advisors in my firm. We have two, one here, and my friend in New York. And so like in most of the institutions that I found myself in, I feel like that, you know, that carries a certain weight to, to win, to be successful so that you can create the space for more people behind you to have the opportunity. Um, but along the way, I felt like, you know, I'm here for a reason. I want to be able to bring the knowledge and access and resources from where I am to those that can't actually even get the chance to work with me as a client. Mm -hmm. um, and so finding those ways to just kind of do things like what we're doing today, which yeah. hopefully we'll be able to disseminate and we'll be able to give some help to those again that we, you know, just can get reached in a different way. Yeah. That aren't necessarily in the traditional channels and knowing like, oh, there's advisors out there that work with clients that look, you know, that also look like me and are thinking about this or come from similar backgrounds. Um, so there's that piece of it where there's the giving back piece. But I would say the way that my practice is really fleshed out, it's been across like all over the board in terms of uh, professions and things people do, whether it's entrepreneurs, whether that's business owners um, and also diversity, diversity in general. Yeah. Black, Asian, you know, it hasn't mattered. And actually, it's a reflection of me because that's actually the world that I hope for my kids to grow up in and like live in. Um, and so is that was also uh, interesting for me because I, I don't know, in my mind, I was like, my whole team's going to be black. Like, this is like, mm. we're just going to, you know, niche, niche, niche. Um, but I'm grateful that it's building the way it is because it's, it's built on values. It's built on what's at our core. And mm. it's not, you know, I don't subscribe to the colorblind stuff. Um, we, yeah. we, our culture matters, you know, um, but it gives us an opportunity to actually have cross-cultural conversation and, and see each other, you know, see the best in each other through working together and doing life together. And it's mm. such a, in a very critical impactful area of people's lives. Wow, Coco, I am so inspired. So, so, so inspired. And I could go on and on. There was so, so much you said. Actually, that I may sneak in one more question. And that was, <laughs> you said, you said um, you've noticed that new seasons in your life are usually marked by your kids' lives. Mm. Tell me more. Because I noticed the same thing as well, actually. It's fascinating. But yeah. somebody, I don't know if it was uh, a relative on the Nigerian side, somebody was telling me that in, in either in our culture or in their culture, kids are this, like, they bring luck. Yeah. Bring luck. And I was like, and this is when I, we had our first son. And I was like, it always stuck with me. But I was like, so I, mm -hmm. to me, I was always, I didn't really fully, fully understand what they were saying to me, but I was just looking for the luckiness. And mm. right, so I was seeing the miracles that were just coming. I mean, they themselves, these kids in the world, miracles. You know, both of our, I mean, I don't want to get into all the details, but I think everybody's child um, rearing story has like difficult parts to it that we don't usually talk about. Mm. Um, so, you know, from, you know, kids getting, losing kids to kids needing, needing surgeries early on in life, you know, things that are just out of your control. Both yeah. these kids, you know, the fact that they're here blessings right and so then it's just like and then i just look at how much they have brought into our lives just by 
the people that we find ourselves around, the environments that we've, that, you know, the, the way we've changed in terms of like, um, what types of experiences we want to try to provide to them and how that affects us. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think they are, yeah, there's no doubt that they are, they're the world. And so everything else and, and yeah. And 2020, that's the, you know, God saying, Hey, shit, like, stop, stop for a second. Mm -hmm. What you've been missing was a big part for me to, to recalibrate my own value priorities. Whereas, you know, I've always put it faith, family, health, and then the mission, but invariably the mission just kept on taking itself to the front of the line and I'll, and I, without, you know, even with me trying to be intentional about it. And so I, I would say, you know, to, to, the, to find, like put a fine point on your question, like they are everything. And so I want to make sure that they know that, that they feel that, and that they see as important as everything else that I feel like I'm called to do is uh, nothing's more important than my job as their dad. My job is as a husband, um, you know, my job as a son, a brother, I feel like these are the ones, this is what makes us, this is what makes me human. Hmm. And this is what makes us human, right? And together. And that connecting tissue, I think, is actually the thing that drives the mission, which, you know, hmm. that's where the success is going to come in, where it's like, so I just really try to focus on how much am I giving? What am I, you know, how have I helped? And if I'm helping enough people, I feel like the success will come on that piece. But like, don't miss these kids. Don't miss your family for blind ambition. You know, a lot of, if that's a fair way to put it. Thank you. This has been a treasure and a gift. If anyone wants to get hold of you, Coco, how best can they reach you? I'm here. I'm here. I'd love to connect. You know, I'm on my main social uh, channel, I guess, is, is my LinkedIn, which is just searchable by my name, Coco Archibald. Um, I think I should have my contact info in there. Um, but if it's about, uh, you know, capital group stuff, I am coco.archibong at capgroup.com. Um, so happy to kind of connect about the wealth management piece, but definitely happy to connect on social and, and just be in community with anybody that would love to do that too. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again for reaching out for having me. Oh, that was so, so, so good. I love that. Oh my goodness. I loved when um, Coco was talking about mastery, the importance of mastery and the importance of pursuing an infinite game. Now, Simon Sinek is one of my heroes and he talks a lot about the distinction between finite and infinite games. So in a finite game, you have known players you have fixed rules, and you have a very clear, agreed-upon objective, right? But with an infinite game, you have known and unknown players, you have rules that can change, and the objective is just to keep the game in play. So with a finite game, there's a very clearly defined endpoint, and we have winners and losers. But in an infinite game, all parties are working to keep the game in play, they're no winners or losers per se, but rather is those that drop out of the game due to a lack of will or resources to continue playing. Those are the ones that are, are losers, for lack of a better word, right? And so I love this concept of mastery, of just keep going, keep this mindset of, like he said, chopping wood and carrying water. And it reminds me of um, 
a quote by Ray Mancini that says, the advanced level is mastery of the basics. And we often don't like to hear that, right? (laughs) We often don't like to hear that. Um, We get to advance by perfecting the basics through the art of deliberate practice, so to speak, move and and really um, just doing the basics over and over and over again. And that brings me on to Coco's second point that I loved, which was skill building. And I loved when he said, we need to work back from your championship, assuming that you've won. What's the first skill that I need to have to get me there? And this whole concept of skill stacking. And like I said, deliberate practice is absolutely key. And one of my favorite quotes on this is by Malcolm Gladwell. And he says that, Success has to do with deliberate practice. Practice must be focused, it must be determined, and in an environment where there's feedback. And this is where I think as entrepreneurs, we have so much to learn from athletes because athletes do this. They do have to practice in a focused, determined way and where they get feedback, right? As entrepreneurs, we don't necessarily have that gift And I think it's really important to embrace that mindset, embrace accountability, embrace this vulnerability so that we can have this deliberate practice and move towards skill building and skill stacking. And lastly, what Coco said about vision and affirmation, gosh, it was so good that adversity is where the growth is. And yet another quote, but um, today is all about the quotes, <laughs> by Rashid Ogunlaru. He says that champions realize that defeat and learning from it, even more than winning, is part of the path to mastery. Just love, love, love that. And so I would say, how can you reflect on your so-called defeats and how can these defeats be part of your path to mastery what has been the lessons from that defeat hope you enjoy this episode as always please share this episode with a friend or someone that you know it will bless and thank you so much for listening take good care and god bless you